0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 49 of the Rock Podcast for those about the pod we salute you. On this episode we get to F in the A to Z of rock. We have a new book for the Book Club of Rock and we have latest news and three albums to review in New Rock on the Block. We have some hidden gems and here he is, fearless and fast-talking, my co-presenter,
1: Mr. Matt Rogers. How are you, mate? Hello, Brian. Yes, I'm neither of those, as you know. I'm a, I'm a softy and I speak very slowly. Um, how are you doing? I'm doing uh, long good. Time no, long time no speak. Indeed. We've been busy. We've been going to gigs.
0: That's true. And watching actually. gigs on television.
1: Yes. Well, so we were right, weren't we, about the churn-ups. I mean, it, it wasn't that much of a stretch to... Uh, Work it out, and I think probably the whole world did. But What a show they did! Amazing An hour or so. That obviously the Foo's Foo Fighters at Glastonbury. Um, I watched it live, and it was fantastic. Um, and a good introduction for Josh Fries to about seventy thousand people <laughs> stretching to the horizon. But yeah, it looked uh, it looked great. I could never go to Glastonbury, by the way. I was thinking this as I was watching it. I mean, it's it's probably a lot of fun when you're there, and the people who go, who go you know, say, "Oh, it's great, great experience." But I just couldn't, I couldn't put up with the flags, and the, and the and the people on each other's shoulders, and the big hats, yeah, and the, and the lack of, you know, personal space and all that. <laughs> I mean, flags isn't there for you, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's a great experience. But I mean, I, you know, we, we we go to a lot of festivals. We do. I don't, I don't see anyone. I mean, there's flags in the in in the camper band, you know park as it were so you can navigate to where you're <laughs> where where, that, where you're staying <laughs> which is always you know it can be very useful when it's dark of course um and flags in the in, similarly in the in the camping site and all that but i just oh just oh those flags just get on my get on my nerves and the shoulders and everything anyway enough of my moaning i i, yeah, I enjoyed the last footage uh food fighters were great i watched a bit of manor skin. oh yeah. yeah 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 um bit sweary um Obviously, you know, they. even though they're Italian, they've worked out all the English swear words, which is which is fair enough, I suppose. Um, they were good. Check them out. And they're not just a one-hit kind of Eurovision wonder, clearly. Um, and then, of course, Guns N' Roses were headlining the Saturday night, and they've had kind of mixed reviews, but I thought on the whole they were pretty good. Um, and I was talking to someone who went to see uh, Guns N' Roses last weekend in London, and they were saying, well, the TV mix was possibly, you know, slightly um, not in Axel's... Uh, favor, as it were, because his voice sounded great when they saw them in London uh, last weekend. So, um, yeah, it was a good show, and um, yeah, it was good production. I enjoyed it. Um, but you've been to you, you've been to a gig in person, of course, Brian. Well, a couple of gigs since I, I spoke
0: have. To yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm just on Glastonbury. Um, I really felt for the Arctic Monkeys on Friday night. Can you imagine mm. knowing that you're the headliner on Friday night? And guessing that the Foo Fighters are going to be too down on the bill from you. Uh, hmm. So I, I I know there's a massive following for the Arctic Monkeys, but uh, to me, Glastonbury was bookended by the Churnups and the Foo's and then hmm. Elton John. And in Axel's defence, Axel wasn't the only lead singer who... Uh, w- was having mic problems during Glastonbury. There's a few bands that were were having issues with that, but uh, s- the band said amazing. Slash was on it. Slash oh, was yeah. fab. It was absolutely fabulous. But yeah, getting back to live gigs, um, I was lucky enough to a uh, uh, couple of weeks ago. Uh, I got to see finally one of the one of my bucket list performers. I got to see Peter Gabriel. Peter Gabriel has been. Uh, He's just started his his world tour, the I.O. tour. Um, And he's pretty much got most of his band that's been with him for the last 40 years. You know, session musicians, Tony Levin, Mm. who's played with King Crimson, Um, Yes. You know, remember that Anderson Bruford, Wakeman, everybody Mm. that in Yes that wasn't allowed to call themselves Yes. Tony Levin was a bass player. Manu right. Caché, who's played drums with everybody. And and Peter Gabriel, for a 73-year-old man, f- played a lot of his new album, and then he peppered his set, Matt, with uh, Sledgehammer, Don't Give Up, In Your Eyes, Salisbury Hill, finished it off with Biko. Um, I was blown away by, mm. uh, by how great um, Peter Gabriel just captivated his audience. And then... Mm. Mm. Um, thinking that I'd seen a, a great singer performing Iron Maiden Recently mm. um, And I know you'll be going to see them soon So yeah. Iron, Iron Maiden uh, played Glasgow on the uh, Future Past tour Bruce Dickinson It's the best All I can say Matt I've seen Iron Maiden four times and this by far is the best that I've ever seen Iron Maiden. Um, Bruce's vocals were, uh, phenomenal. I know you saw him at download last year, mm. um, mm. but he was singing even better. Um, uh, the, the setlist for me was focusing on Senjutsu, which is the new album, which, which we reviewed in the past, which is a great album, mm. but yep. then the 1986 album, Somewhere in Time, Which is one of my, it's, it's one of my favourite albums, features a lot of Adrian Smith, tracks on it like uh, Stranger in a Strange Land, the title track itself, Somewhere in Time, Heaven Can Wait. Oh my goodness, I was in seventh heaven. It was just phenomenal. The best I've ever seen Iron Maiden. And they could have sold it out. The Hydro was sold out, Matt, and they probably could have sold out another night. But to Mm. see Iron Maiden indoors... Wow. It's, it's my rock gig of the year so far. Bruce okay. Dickinson was just, wow. he was off the chart, off mm. the chart.
1: He's, uh, yeah, he's had quite a resurgence since he had his, uh, well, his cancer issues, uh, well, probably about 10 years ago now. Yeah. Um, and he's, you're right. He seems to be singing better than ever. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing them, um, in a few days time. So, um. Yeah, well, if they're as good as they were in Glasgow, wow, it's going to be quite quite a show. But mm. the material
0: very much uh, for the for the older material that they played, which was, they did Can I Play With Madness, uh, which I know is mm-hmm. off, is that Seventh Son of a Seventh Son? Mm-hmm. Yep. Which which is always an album you like. All that era, very it, it features Adrian a lot. So Adrian Smith was carrying a lot of the lead guitar duties um, at the gig. But I couldn't take my eyes off Yannick Gehrs. Yannick mm. Gehrs seems to throw a guitar, jump on a guitar, sit on a guitar. He seems to do everything but play the guitar. And then at the moment where you need him to play solos, he impeccably just plays like Ingwie Malmsteen. But he's, he's the most energetic guitarist not playing guitar on a show. He's, he's I hope when you, just watch him. He's in a wee world of his own, Matt. On the on, the, on stage left, Yannick Gares is on his own. He's 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 effectively doing a yoga uh, workout. Yeah. His his legs are up on the the stage, and as and he's stretching out on his you know stretching out over the monitors and stuff. He's he's having a ball. If he's plugged mm. in, brilliant. But he's he's in his. He, Everything is good in Yannick Gare's world because he's just mm. having an absolute ball
1: running around the stage. So, yeah, yeah you're right. Maybe, he, maybe he should get together with Tony Wright of Television and bring out like a workout like DVD <laughs> or something, you know, Jane Fonda style. Because they're both, as you said, they both jump around and run around. And yeah. yeah, as you said, for a guy, he's, what, I suppose, late 60s? Yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, he's very, he's very bendy and very, uh, obviously, you know, in good shape. Um I I went to uh, a gig uh, last weekend actually we should mention that um the, uh, the 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 stop off in London of the Deaf Leopard Motley Crew mammoth wvh i think it's a world tour i think they've been going for about a year now on this tour <laughs> and um it was at Wembley stadium which is a very big stadium um and it was um I don't know how many people were there, but it wasn't full by any means. It was a very strange kind of setup, and and it felt that like the sound was bouncing around a little bit, a, a bit too much. Um, we got there early to see um, Wolfgang Van Halen Ma- with Mammoth. Obviously, came on at five fifteen. Really, gosh, that early? Yeah, it was really early. And and let's say there were fifty thousand people there at, at the peak. There's probably five thousand to see Wolfgang in in Wembley Stadium. Um at least I was there. I mean I, you know, I did my bit. But he was great. He did a lot of songs off of the obviously a lot of songs off the, the past album, uh, first album I should say, and a lot of songs off his forthcoming album, um, which I think is due for release later this year. Yeah.
0: So it's um, out in
1: August. Yeah, indeed. Um Molly crew uh did pretty much their hits. <laughs> um and I have to say I've never seen Motley Crew before, and I and I and I enjoyed seeing them. Vince, Vince Neil has got a lot of stick for his um, vocal style, um, which he, which he is quite surreal at times. He doesn't really sing the full word anymore. He kind of just hints at the at the words in the original song. Thankfully, most people there knew the song, knew the words to Girls, Girls, Girls and Primal Scream and and uh, Doctor Feelgood and so on. But he's got a very strange kind of singing style these days. I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> Um, but it's been a funny, yeah. We talked about Axel earlier. But, I mean, we've said many times as singers get older, men, not not necessarily women, but certainly men, there, there's a, there's an actual medical condition. I think it's where their vocal cords shrink. Mm-hmm. So you know they're they're less able. And, and you know, it happens to the best of us. Let alone singers who were hitting the, you know, the high notes back in the '80s. So you can have some sympathy for them. But yeah, very interesting vocal style by Mister Mister Neil. Um, but and, it was fun,
0: yeah. And how was how was Sir Vivian and his uh,
1: his oh. his main main employers? Well, they were great. I mean, they were fantastic. Definitely, but they did a again essentially a greatest hit set. You're always going to get "Pour Some Sugar on Me" and "Rock of Ages" and "Animal" and so on. But uh, they peppered it with songs off uh, Diamond Star Halos," which was good. Yeah. Um, did a little acoustic uh, s- set, I and mean, we were miles back. I mean. You know, I was I, I, my friends I was with that turned to me and said, um, "Matt, they look like ants on the stage." I said, "They are ants; they haven't come on yet, but they they were that far back, and <laughs> we were that far back." It was, it, we were. We were for, I don't like relying on the big screens, but we had to in this case. But sound was okay uh, for Def Leppard. And good to see them. I think I've seen them on most tours since about nineteen eighty three. So um, good to see them again. And they and they, they they I mean, they're just so polished, so professional, and. um, if you get a chance to see them, uh, boys and girls, um, wherever you are in the world, they seem to be on tour constantly. Then, uh, then, then check them out. They were, they were excellent. Um, so yeah, all in all, um, uh, a good gig and value for value for your, either 150 pounds or 65 pounds, depending on which ticket you decide to buy. But, um, such is the nature of those, uh, those giant gigs these days so
0: it it was interesting um, earlier this week Matt that um, Wolfgang has been talking about um, putting the second album together which will be coming out later this year and their latest single which is uh, uh, Tick a Bow clocks in at sort of like nearly seven minutes but um, Wolfgang has uh, he said that he's actually he actually recorded that track with his dad's legendary, another F is mm. Frankenstein, um, electric guitar. You know, the one with all of the, the stripes and Eddie was yeah. always constantly work. And he powered it all through his dad's original Marshall head. So kind of nice that, you know, um, he's, uh, his dad's tone and his dad's equipment still being used to this day, which I thought was quite nice and I'm mm. really looking forward to a second album. Hopefully it'll be as, as good as the
1: debut absolutely absolutely so we go from uh frankenstein to mechanical bulls a strange link but um uh there was a as you recall, the 2022 commonwealth games um the the centerpiece was a um was a was a giant mechanical bull uh 10 meters high um that was used, as I say, in the opening ceremony of uh, the Commonwealth Games last year in Birmingham. And this bull—I love this story. I love these quirky stories. Um, there's been a there's been a uh, a poll to uh, to work out what it should be called, and it was going to go to the scrapyard, to the it's scrap. True, deep. yeah, yeah. The great ball ring in the sky, I guess, and um, but it's been saved from the from the abattoir, <laughs> which is kind of appropriate. Um, and it's because when, when you find out what it's been called, um, twenty-eight thousand people voted, and it's going to be called Aussie. Yeah, Aussie the yeah, looks pretty good. Aussie the ball. Twenty-eight thousand people voted, um, and uh, they decided it was going to be called. It's a very impressive thing. This this mechanical bull. It's going to be at New Street Railway Stray Station in Birmingham, and um, I, however, I do know one person who would be very disappointed because mm-hmm. I was happy to be called Tony. After me, because I was uh, I was part of that Commonwealth. Games geek as well, but it uh, it went to Aussie. So uh, yeah, so Aussie <laughs> Aussie the bull. <laughs> I love that. I, 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 if I get to Bowie, I'm going to see it. I can't wait. <laughs> and of course, it's made appropriate by the fact that there's the ring sort of shopping centre area in, in the centre of true, Yes, it kind of that was where it all stemmed from originally. So, but that's great. I love that story, and I'm pleased it was um, called Aussie in the end despite everything <laughs> <laughs> huge this thing
0: uh, uh, you, huge yeah yeah
1: well, well let's remember
0: for 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 kids our age there's only one tony and he's a tiger that's
1: true actually yeah i can't do a tony the tiger impersonation <laughs> I'll, I'll work on that for it's me. great <laughs> that's right that's pretty much it isn't it the Frosties, I
0: think. <laughs> that, yeah. But other, but other uh, breakfast cereal brands are out there. <laughs> Indeed, yes. So my final bit of news. Last week, Black Country Communion completed the recording of their fifth album. So Joe Bonamassa... Glenn Hughes, the voice of rock, mm-hmm. Derek Sherinian and Jason Bonham, I think went into a studio and, and they're in, in, their normal fashion, Matt, I think they go into the studio for five days and just knock out an album. Hmm. So, uh, so that, so that'll be, uh, that'll be winging its way probably if not the latter part of this year, but early next year, which I'm looking forward to. I have no doubt there will be no gigs because I think Glenn and Joe is every, everybody's so busy, but I'll be looking forward to hearing what, uh. Black Country
1: Communion will be putting out as their fifth yes. album. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, and that, and that therefore kind of completes the loop as to why Glenn Hughes left uh, Dead Daisies, of course, to um, to rejoin Black Country Communion as well as doing the, the Deep Purple stuff. So, um, yeah, it should be good. The first few albums are pretty good, weren't they? Fabulous. Um, so, um, and we saw them a couple of times, I think, and um, did put on a good show. Yeah, it'd be good to see them again if they do, as you say, they get their schedules together. Um, and then one final piece of news. This is quite interesting, and something to look forward to. Um, Brian May, Sir Brian May of Queen, um, is uh, is talking up a potential Bohemian Rhapsody 2. Um, really, a follow- yeah, a follow up to the 2019 mega film. But when you hear the numbers that that film made, you think, well, yeah, of course, you've got to think about it. Uh, a, um, a sequel. So, it, at the box office, it made seven hundred and twenty million pounds from a forty million pound budget. So, um, yeah, why wouldn't you think about doing a, a follow-up? It just depends on whether the s- scripts any good, um, of course. And bear in mind, it took twelve years to put together the first film. I'm not, um, I'm not buying a ticket just in case, but uh, that'd be good. I did enjoy that first film. It was a good film. It was, was great. Slightly a bit of poetic license in there, but um and of course the cameo from Mike Myers was particularly memorable. It was. Um, it was. But that's it. That's the news, Brian. There you go.
0: <laughs> so Matt, we come to the part of the show where we talk about new rock on the block, and we have three good albums to review for this episode. Um, mm-hmm. um and I must be honest with you, when you gave me this album to review. I did absolutely no checking on Wikipedia or any websites to see who this band was. So this mm-hmm. is the this is the uh first album, debut album from a band called The Elegant Weapons. Mm-hmm. And the title of the album is Horns for a Halo. So mm. I stuck it on in the car you and thought I'm gonna give this a good listen. And it sounded very classic. 70s hard rock there's a brilliant nod to UFO on the album Mm -hmm. and as I'm listening to it Matthew I'm going the guitars are very reminiscent of Mr Michael Schenker and the vocals sounded very familiar and reminded me of the the uh, singer for hire Mr Ronnie Romero and I thought Mm. no more of it and I thought oh it sounds like Ronnie Romero then I listened to the drums and I thought gosh the drums sound Reminiscent of Judas Priest, latter day Judas Priest was Scott Travis.
1: You're quite the detective, aren't you, Brian?
0: Yes, and then by working the time, all this out. <laughs> and then, and then when I when I listened to the album and and I and I finished my journey, I went onto the internet and I thought I must see who the Elegant Weapons are. And then I found out they're a supergroup <laughs> that sure. that started off with Richie Faulkner from Judas Priest, Ronnie, Murmer, Ronnie Romero um, from Michael Schenker and Rainbow. Scott Travis, um, from Judas Priest and, and who recorded the album was, which was Rex Brown. And I have to say, I, you I think you're, this is going to be an album that you will love. It's yeah. just laden with riffs. Um, the production's amazing. I think Andy Sneep, who's recorded mm-hmm. it as well, is really, really good. Um, the, yeah, it's, it's got, Hints of purple. Uriah Heap. They, one of the standout tracks for me is "Downfall Rising," which is reminiscent of Robin Troyer and Bridges Size. It's just mm. it's ex- an expansive album, so I, I loved it. I just thought it was great, and it's maybe it's signposting what Richie will do whenever mm. Judas Priest, you know, finally hangs up, hangs yeah. up all of their leather and motorbikes.
1: That's true. Yeah, I thought that as well. Um, a bit like the guys from White Snake have kind of started to expand their careers. Um, I'm sure this is likely to be his long term project. But yeah, you're right. I did. I did really enjoy it. it is it's uh, it's it's quite Judas Priest like, as you say, in its feel. Um, but not not overly so. It's not like a you know tribute album, as it were. But yeah, it's a nice slice of modern heavy metal, and um, as you say, good production. I'm not the biggest fan of Ronnie Romero, to be honest with you, but he's pretty good on this album. He, you know, you you kind of get used to his singing style. But as you say, he's the kind of go-to singer these days. But you're right, Dead Man Walking's a good song, Blind Eating the Blind. Lights Out uh, is uh, the cover of, the, obviously, the UFO classic, which they've done a good job with. I agree, um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, check it out. Yeah, Horns for a Halo. Uh, and they're on at uh, Steelhouse. We'll see them in a few weeks. I'm um, looking forward to that. I think yeah, I, I think it'll be
0: um, it, it'll it'll be interesting to see the longevity of uh, elegant weapons, but a great start with uh, with Indeed. her debut album. So where do we go next, Brian? Uh, let's go to Queens of the Stone Age, Matthew, with their eighth studio album, In Times New Roman. Mm. What did you think?
1: Well, I have to, I have to be honest. I'm not the biggest fan of Queens of the Stone Age. I think they're one of those bands that, that their fans probably absolutely worship them because they are quite kind of, they've got a certain style and Josh Hom's vocals are are, are, are quite unique. Um, and and they've had a few members over the years, famously, of course, Dave Grohl was with them early on. Um, but the album's pretty good. It's it's one of those albums that you really need to kind of immerse yourself in. Um, it's got very complex lyrics um, and uh, very interesting lyrics, um, obviously from the pen of Josh Homme. So it, it kind of it's quite thought provoking. Some of the some of the song themes. It won't be my favorite album of the year, but it, I think if you want something to kind of really kind of bore into and try to kind of come to terms with and and understand the kind of sense of the lyrics and the the, the tones of the songs, then and check it out. In Times New Roman, interesting. Um, title, of course. What did you think, Bri? I'm probably even less of a fan
0: of Queen's Estonies than you are. They're n- apart from, you know, the big, the big single, the big singles in the early 2000s. Mm. Um, I yep. don't really know that much about them. So I came into this album kind of just, I'll I'll take it on its own merits. Um, and and it was, some of the, the, the opening track, Obscenery, mm. it was... I was trying to think what's the right words to describe this album. It's snarly mm. riff laden, really tight arrangements. Josh Holmes vocals. I was really impressed with him at the Taylor Hawkins tribute when they did the, mm. when they did the Bowie tracks and I, and I, yep. I had never heard him live before. And I just thought, wow, this guy can do his vocals can go anywhere. And the, the standout tracks for me in the album are Time and Peace. And then there's a track called Made to Parade. And it sounds, mm. th- this is the kind of where he wears his influences. And the, don't, don't forget the other collaborators in the band as well too are there. It's It felt at times Josh's is calling on heavy talking heads with musical mashups between David Bowie. There's even hints of Mark Bolan. I was I was mm. hearing metal guru and some of the track, and then mm. when John Lennon was going through his plastic Ono, you know, sort of avant-garde uh, mm. sort of era. So I, I listened to the album a couple of times, and it's just I think you've you've nailed it. It's an interesting album, and I think the more that you listen to it, the more you'll get more out of it. So mm. um, it could be a real grower for me, and I I didn't expect to like it. But I, I I came away going I'm going to continue to listen to this. The production's fabulous, but it's so 70s era. I was just hearing, as I say, the sweet Bowie, Mark Boland T Rex. Mm-hmm. It was just really really interesting. I I, I I I thoroughly. It was it was enjoyable. It was every track was just oh that's a bit different. That's but but oh, so well produced. So um, could be a could be a bit of a slow burner for me. This album map.
1: Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I like yeah, that. I think it's one you do need to invest in. You know, you do need to kind of spend some time with. Um but yeah, it's um it's well worth well worth checking out, boys and girls. And the final album
0: for this episode's New Rock on the Block, let's move back to more familiar territory mm-hmm. for Brian. So yes. this is Bridges. Um this is the ninth studio album from Steve Lukather. The uh I suppose you could call him the, the the band leader of of Toto, singer and guitarist. Um, uh, I think most of the press junkets have been out, as Steve's been saying this this is the closest thing that you'll get to a Toto album. Um, yep. um, I think the the reason why we're not getting any Toto albums um, going forward is there's an ongoing lawsuit between the Picaro estate and the Toto Corporation, which is David Paish and Steve Lukather. So I think whilst, that, whilst that's either resolved or unresolved, Steve's said that there'll be no more Toto albums, but when you look at who's peppered throughout the album, you've got Joseph Williams, who's the current lead singer of Toto, who produces the album. Yeah. David Peish, who's been Steve Lukather's partner in Toto mm-hmm. for years alumni like Leland Sklar, who's played bass, Simon Phillips, who's played drums, Shannon Forrest, who's played drums as well too. So it seems to be all of the latter-day Toto musicians have kind of uh,
1: contributed to this album. I love it, Matt. Mm. But you'd expect me to say that. (laughs) Well, exactly. You're a big fan of Toto. (laughs) I I liked it too, actually. Um, It's it's obviously a a far cry from the, the other two albums that we've been talking about. Um, but yeah, it's got, it's got a very, I was listening to it this morning and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but it's got a very kind of Sunday morning rock feel to it. It's, it's quite mellow. Yeah. The guitar playing's exemplary. Um, Steve Lucas is a, a, an amazingly underrated guitarist I would suggest. Um, songs are pretty good. It's got a kind of, um, it's got a kind of a coffee table sort of vibe to it uh, as a, as an album. It's sort of very non-threatening apart from the song, not my kind of people, by the way, which is a little bit uh, cheeky. Very. Um, <laughs> far from, o- far from over is a, uh, it's a good song. It's got a good sentiment behind it. Uh, talking about the friends he's lost and the fact that he's still going strong, even yeah. though he's only on BF 65. Uh-huh. Steve, look at that. Yeah. But a very long, illustrious career. And he's still relatively young. Um, but I liked it. There's, a, there's a lot of double track vocals, um, there's a lot of reverb on the vocals, you know, there's a lot of kind of cliched sort of, you know, it, it, it could almost be, you know, uh, an album from the early eighties or late seventies. Um, it's got that kind of classic American sort of very polished production to it, but it doesn't make it a bad album. As I say, I, I, I enjoyed it and it's the first, what do you say? It's had nine solo albums yeah, yeah. as well as the, as well as the Toto work. Clearly very prolific. And it's the first Luke of the album that I've listened to. And yeah, I'd, I'd probably go back and listen to one or two others. Um, yeah, yeah. I'd, yeah good. we really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. And for total fans, um, if you're wondering where, where this sits in the discography, this, this picks up where the, when the band recorded the album, um, Falling In Between, which is quite a heavy album, there's some Led Zeppelin, you know, it's, it was a heavier album, when you mm. when you've got when you've got that track, you know the not the naughty track as you call it, Matt. You know, not my yes. kind of people with sweary sweary words. Um, it's still got a still got a good groove to it. It's gr- good groove. It's got really nice, tasty riffs. Um, I I, I really liked it. And and there always is going to be the uh, the sumptuous ballads on the album. And there's a oh, great yeah. track which is called um, "I'll Never Know," which which when you're in that you're back in the mid-80s, so you're in Survivor, probably Mr. Mr. Land mm-hmm. with a lot of this. So it's quite, it's a very, very modern production. Joseph Williams does a brilliant job, but mm-hmm. it just takes you back to that mid-80s AOR, you know, REO Speedwagon Boston. You're you're, you're back in the mid-80s. But oh, a, yeah. a, a good release. One of, one of Steve's better solo albums, I've listened to a few. Mm-hmm. This one's quite strong, but... When you look at all of the contributors to that, you know it is. As Steve said, "It's pretty much a total album
1: under his name." So, Brian, this brings us to the book club of rock. Mm. I've been rummaging in the in the library, Um, and you very kindly allowed me to take this book out to have a read off. <laughs> um, you need to bring it back soon. You know. Yes, I don't want to get a fine. Exactly, don't be fined because we've got <sighs> no budgets. That's true. <laughs> no budget for library fines. Uh, yeah. So the, anyway, this book is um, it's uh, Rainbow in the Dark, the uh, Ronnie James Dio uh, autobiography. We touched upon it last time, I think, with that um, story of how he got his name from the New York gangster Johnny Dio. Um, and this basically is a it's the classic kind of autobiography. It, it, it's it was essentially finished up after his death by his wife Wendy Dio and Mick Wall, who's a very prolific and uh, very good. Um, uh, music writer and uh, essentially it charts his um, early years um, growing up in New Jersey uh, where he was uh, his dad thought it'd be a good idea for him to learn an instrument so he learned the trumpet and Dio decided he was going to be exemplary at the trumpet so he turned out to be almost a virtuoso and joined various bands and essentially then joined other bands became a bass player and then for different reasons ended up singing and then of course, the rest largely is history. So it charts his uh, his early years. Um it's very well written. And you you know, you 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 kind of you can hear it, you can hear Ronnie Dio in the in the in the words. It's not one of those ghost written books. He it certainly appears to come straight from his kind of memory, as it were. Um, and with the say uh, things added in by his wife after his death in two thousand and ten. So um and it and it ends up with him uh, headlining Madison Square Garden in New York in 1986 with Dio. So as I say, it's a it's a it's an autobiography but it stops short. And there might be a follow up. I think there's there's talk about a potential kind of follow up book charting the um from '86 onwards. um Obviously, that'd be a you know obviously posthumously written by probably Mick Wall, I imagine. Yeah. yeah. Um. But it's yeah. For, if you're a rock fan, um, it's well worth a read. There's some interesting stories, some sad stories, some some quite uplifting stories. Um. And really, just shows you, you know, what what if you've got some talent, how far you can go with it. Because you know, he realised that he was a good singer, and he thought, right, I'm going to take this to the top. And as we've said many times, was uh, singing in Rainbow, singing in Black Sabbath, uh, fell out with both those particular parties, <laughs> and there was uh, obviously uh, lead singer in his own band, Dio. Um, but yeah, an amazing legacy, um, and uh, and a really good book. So yeah, check out uh, Rainbow in the Dark, the uh, Ronnie James Dio story. I put them back in the library now. I've actually finished it, so I can check <laughs> check it back in Right, Excellent. Well done. No fines for you this month. Ah, oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's very kind of you.
0: <laughs> so, Matt, we come to my favourite part of the show, which is our walk through the alphabet of rock. It's our A to Z of rock. And we come to the letter F.
1: Yeah, already we're at F. We're at F. It's gone quick, is not it? Yeah.
0: Mm, we can k- we can we can kill some off quite easily, can't we? You know, there's there's bands and stuff bands that we talk about quite a lot. Foo Fighters,
1: mm. yes. Well, yeah, they're the obvious F, aren't they? Amazing band. Yeah, since 1994, huge. Try getting a ticket for their British tour. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course, man, I've got one. Oh yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, you're on the ball. I didn't manage it. Yeah, amazing, selling out stadiums. Um, yeah, brilliant. Fantastic. And we talked about their, 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 their latest album last time. It yep. was an absolute absolute classic. Yes, the Mighty Foo Fighters. However, Brian, really should have started with the Mighty Free. Yes. What a band they were. Um, formed in 1968, only lasted five years. Um, did th- several albums in that period, all beginning with F mainly, which is quite handy for us. <laughs> Tons of sobs, Free at Last, of course. Well, tons of sobs clearly it begins with T. We should have saved that for the T's. Yes. But anyway, great band, great band. And uh, some some classic anthems, of course, all right now. And When you think about Free and their legacy, mm. Mm.
0: I would defy any band, cover band in the world, mm. <laughs> who somewhere down the line in their career, whenever they're picking out their set list, you've got... All right now, yep. <laughs> wishing well, yep. Steeler. Oh my goodness! You know it's it's up there with, uh, yeah, it's up there with sweet sweet home Alabama and Paranoid and Smoke on the Water. You, everybody's gonna
1: play all right now. Absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, what a legacy? Well, I mean, of course, the the great Paul Rodgers, um, and they were only kids. Paul Rodgers, I think, was eighteen. Andy Fraser was fifteen. Yeah. Um, and Paul Kossoff and and Simon Kirk were, I think, 19. Yeah. Um, amazing. Uh, formed in 1968, first album came out in 1969. And as I say, they were finished by 1973. Yeah. And then, uh, as we know, Simon Kirk and uh, Paul Rogers, um, put together the Bad Company, and sadly, Paul Kossoff died in 1976. Um, and, uh, and Andy Fraser lost. We lost Andy Fraser a few years ago. But yeah, I mean, what an amazing band, a fantastic legacy. So, yeah, um, yeah plenty of free songs. And if there wasn't, it wasn't for free. There'd be no Reef, of course. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Reef famously, big fans of free, yeah. and, they, and they decided to use the the, uh, the word free as a, essentially an anagram of their name Reef. Um, which is quite clever. Very difficult to do with it with many other bands, of course. And ACDC, I suppose you could mix up their letters. But uh, anyway. We digress. What else you got for us, Brian? Um, well, I know, uh,
0: F- Foreigner, that Brit-American, oh my goodness, juggernaut of a band in the late 70s and early 80s who just sold bucket loads, truck loads of albums. Um, hmm. Their masterpiece would have been, for me, Foreigner 4. Yeah. Uh, you had, oh my goodness, the, Lou Graham, who just had the voice of a, Dirty White Boy. There, see? See what I did there?
1: Um, I did. That's a song of theirs, by the way, everyone, <laughs> just in case you're wondering where Brian's going with that. <laughs> yeah.
0: It, 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 when you talk about a, a producer, a songwriter and Mick Jones, who, uh, you know, Foreigner with it was his vision, but when you mm. just top it off with a, a lead singer to die for and Lou Graham, those early early albums, you know, Double Vision, Head Games 4, pff, mm. they, there was a, point in the early 80s where they were just filling out stadiums across across america they could do no wrong and then then probably came to everybody the rest of the world when we had the big the powered ballad of all powered mm. ballads
1: i want to know what that's love right. is <laughs> that's right and of course waiting for a girl like you is a similar kind of you know classic power ballad, isn't it um we saw them, um, first of all I saw them was uh, High Voltage back in 2010 with Kelly Hansen up front. He's yes. a great singer. Yes. And, of course, they're, they're calling it a day, uh, Foreigner, sadly, after a, you know, a very long career. But, yeah, what an amazing band. Again, some fantastic anthemic songs. Um, you won't get too many pub co- cover bands trying to sing Jukebox Hero, because that's a that's a toughie. <laughs> um, Kelly Hansen himself is an amazing singer, the, the current singer with Foreigner. Um Said that's the song that he doesn't really look forward to in the set because it does go through the gears for a singer. So, um, but yeah, amazing, amazing band. I've got to mention. um, I've got to mention the Friday Rock Show, Brian. We talked about that on 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 an episode many many weeks ago, but uh, as we said at the time, uh, for any any person who grew up between it was 1978 and 1993, it ran the dulcet tones of tommy vance of course were part of the part of the tapestry part of our lifestyle back in the as i say the 70s and 80s and early 90s and um and uh you know introduced us to to many many bands with their sessions of course and and um friday night connection and and so on but uh yeah sadly sadly i suppose no more but I've of course been replaced by you know the likes of Planet Rock and Kerrang! Radio and so on, which are twenty four seven. So you know we went went from two hours on a Friday night to, you know, rock music whenever you want it, essentially. But uh, yeah, I mean, again, just a, an iconic show with an iconic presenter, the late great Tommy Vance, of course.
0: That's a great. That's that's a great chat. And talking about iconic, uh, another F for me would be, would be the Space Ace himself, the original spaceman, Mister Ace Freely, seventy two years old now. Um Ace was one of the uh he was the original guitarist in KISS. He he was in KISS from 1973 to 1982. Um you'll remember remember in the late 80s, Matt, whenever KISS decided that they'll put out four mm. solo albums. Um and you would have expected maybe, you know, Paul or Gene to be the 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 best selling of the four of them. The the biggest selling um artist out of the four of them was, was Ace. Cause Ace mm. had the, the single New York groove, which, what uh, and I think that actually irked.
1: <laughs>
0: mm. Of course it would. I think, it? I think that irked, uh, the, the, um, the, the, the two main guys and Kiss Um, but, uh, yeah, Ace, uh, I love some of the early, the, the early classic, lineup of, of KISS. And, and, and I suppose Ace is one of those guitarists where he, you know, he started the whole, you know, smoke coming out of guitars, you know, let's, let's do lots and lots of stuff. And there's so much mystery and, uh, stories and mythology about, you know, there's, what's the album creatures of the night, which he's, Mm. which he's all on the album, you know, he's featured on the pictures and he doesn't play any guitar.
1: No, that's right. Famously, yeah, I think that was probably the end of his or beginning of the end of his career with Kiss. He, uh, he didn't really didn't really feel like participating anymore um, for, for lots of other kind of let's yeah. say extracurricular reasons. Yeah, um, I'm going to stick with the F uh, surnames and John Fogerty. Yes, many people say, "Who's that?" Well, of course, that's the, he was the voice of Creedence Clearwater Revival and and um, for a while one of the biggest bands of the of the late '60s and '70s uh, in the world. Um, and again loads of anthems we talked about them many times in the context of suing themselves for plagiarism or whatever that uh, court case was all about but uh, uh, by all accounts still going strong Uh, did a a recent UK tour and is sounding and looking and playing really well so yeah good on him but yeah the great John Fogerty,
0: 78 years of age and he still sounds as you say he's sounding great on his last UK tour there's the reviews
1: so yeah fabulous mm. indeed um we mentioned flags earlier yeah But well, dwell on them <laughs> not my favorite thing but of course festivals and we've talked many times about the various festivals uh and not everyone's cup of tea though of course oh and uh, i mean some people just don't like festivals i was to a friend of mine um and i think he's went to one festival when he was young and that was it and we tend to lap them up because they're not everyone's cup of tea and and as i say if his first festival was a very crowded Glastonbury, I can understand why. Um, but uh yeah, who doesn't who doesn't enjoy the festivals? They've come a lot they've come a long way since when I first started going in the early eighties, as I said, many times um when my hair was uh, several rows behind me, of course. <laughs>
0: I'm a late comer. I'm a late, as you know, I'm a, I'm very Mm. much a late comer to festivals and I love them now. And I like the fact that you can, you know, you go and watch the headliners, but it's really nice when you can walk away from a festival and you go, wow, there's a new band for me. I'll, I'll follow those. So it's nice to have a surprise. You can get a surprise and... Uh, for festivals, absolutely. Um, this this is the I have put a lot of thought into this one, Matt. Have you? Yes. This I'm is a change. I'm, I'm going to try. <laughs> I'm I'm going to cover three F's. Oh really? I'm going to cover oh. three F's in one go. So hmm. we were talking about um, Van heelen earlier on, and we've got Wolfgang and Eddie, and it, so mm-hmm. you've got family. So you know you think about, and we we've covered in earlier shows mm. siblings and et cetera, But. Um, so, for families, one of the biggest family families of rock would be the Farris brothers. And the Farris brothers, who were the majority th- three fifths of, uh, or three sixths of uh, NXS, so NXS, right. who are sadly no longer um, a going entity, um, they recorded an album in 1997 with. A fabulous producer called Bruce Fairbairn. Mm. another F. Indeed. So, now, Bruce Fairburn isn't one of we've talked about producers in the past, Matt. You know, we've talked about obviously Mott Langa, Martin Birch. Oh my goodness! You know, we Roger even Butch Roger Vig, Glover last time wasn't Bruce Fred, it? Fred, we talked about the last time, and we never seem to talk about Bruce Fairburn. We'll talk about Bob Rock, you know, because Bob's done lots of work with Metallica, and. So when I was looking back, uh, when I was looking back at Bruce's discography, I couldn't believe in the mid 80s, the albums that that Bruce had produced. I didn't know that he was the producer of Slippery When Wet. Wow. He also produced um, New Jersey as well. Mm-hmm. And then in that period in the mid 80s, when Aerosmith came back on the back of the Run DMC single, Bruce produced Permanent Vacation and Pump. And an album that I absolutely love, Matt, is you know the live at Donington in nineteen ninety one with ACDC, which I think oh, yeah. is just that was produced by Bruce Fairburn. And he and he produced oh, really? Yep. And another album that, that I that is a favourite of mine is the mid nineties, nineteen ninety five's Van Halen's Balance, which I know that Sammy Hagar has been on record saying that that's one of the the mm. best produced Van Halen um uh albums uh in the latter days so I couldn't not left leave Bruce Fairbone off the list.
1: No, no indeed. What a what a what a catalogue of albums he's been involved in. Amazing. Yeah I'd heard of him and and um I couldn't connect him to uh to the bands but yeah what a what a what a guy. Couple of final mentions, Brian um one of the great rock songs um probably in my top ten uh, and when it comes to guitar solos, it's certainly up in the top five. is Free Bird by <laughs> Leonard Skinner. Take, or whatever I hear, whenever I hear it, it takes me back to the school discos of the early 80s, kneeling on the floor, headbagging. Great stuff. And finally, a great album for a great band. For those about to rock, we salute you. The 1981 album by ACDC, and what a song. What a title song to that album. You mentioned ACDC a few minutes ago. Yeah. I couldn't I couldn't leave out for that. About to Rock, we salute you. Sounds vaguely familiar though, doesn't it? Isn't always, it does. Good title. Mm. Mm. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. yeah. So that was the F. Next time, it's G. Yes. Look forward to that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so finally. That brings us to most people's, clearly not yours, but most people's favourite feature. Hidden Gem Thanks, Lola. Sounding great, as always. So what's your hidden gem for episode 49, Brian? So my, my hidden gem for this
0: episode is um, I was listening to um, Boston uh, mm-hmm. A couple of weeks ago, it was, uh, came up on social media that it would have been Brad Delp's birthday. So Brad's the, uh, original lead vocalist and rhythm guitarist in Boston. Um, so it would have been Matt, it would have been Brad's birthday on the 12th of June. So I got a message up on Facebook and, uh, it just got me back into listening to Boston. And then I, I was thinking, my goodness, when Boston got back together, um, who was the, who was the singer that stepped into the breach to mm. replace Brad? And it was none other than Michael Sweet, who was the lead singer and guitarist in, in Striper, you know, black and yellow and, you know, Christian rock as they were. Um, but Michael has worked with George Lynch, um, through frontier records for the last few years. And another, F. Hmm? Another, another F. F exactly, another F. Exactly. Another F. And, uh, and another pound in the pot for you, Brian. Exactly, another pound. Pepe, me and me and Frontier Records. Um, so, so the latest release from uh, Sweet and Lynch is an album called "Heart and Sacrifice." It is great, great album. Now, for those of you who love uh, George Lynch's guitar playing and Docking, and he can do all these amazing scales, he's he's going back to a much more rootsier. Um, Bluesier feel On this album And it's just The mix between Michael's Bostonist Boston-esque Vocals And this Really bluesy Drop D Riffy guitar In from uh, From George Lynch It's Fabulous Matt Uh, Standout tracks on it Are uh, You'll never be alone Where I have to go And leaving it all behind Three Standout tracks From a great Great album Again, one of these project albums, but they still, you know, I think this is their fourth album that the guys have done. So um, yeah, my head and gem for this episode, Sweet and Lynch, Heart and Sacrifice. What about you?
1: Hmm. Well, I have got an album by The White Buffalo. Now, we haven't went to the White Buffalo on this uh this podcast. No. Nope. What but the White Buffalo is essentially um the stage name the pseudonym, if you will, of uh an American singer songwriter called Jake Smith. And um he uh it's, it's quite prolific. I think this is his seventh album I'm gonna talk about. Uh it's the album called On the Widow's Walk from 2020. Um, and it's great. If you want, to, as I say, want a nice slice of modern Americana, check out The White Buffalo. And um, I first came across him, um, i was in a record store and i've only done this a couple of times in my life I was in a record store and um there was a record playing or music playing in the background and i thought i like this and i asked the the person behind the counter who it was and they said it's the white buffalo blah blah blah, and end up buying the album which is quite rare for me to do something impulsive like Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. or indeed to spend money full stop (laughs) but uh, but this is a good album this is from 2020 um and it's uh it's all it's produced by shooter jennings Okay, yeah. Um, and it and it's uh and it's on Snake Farm Records. So none of none of your frontiers with this guy, Snake Farm Records. And it features one of my favorite songs of the last few years is a song called No History. I absolutely love that song. So that's going to be on the um, on the playlist of course. Um but it's 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 short and sweet songs um Really well written. It's a great singer. He's he's a baritone, so I obviously like him. Um, but uh, yeah, great stuff. Check check out "On the Widow's Walk" by the White Buffalo from two thousand twenty. There you go. That's my hidden gem for this episode, Brian. Good old. Thank you. So that's it, Brian. Another episode in the bag. Episode forty nine. A nice pink bow on the top. I Lovely. Think. Yes. <laughs> So next time we episode 50, we we'll look forward to that. We'll do a bit of reminiscing. And also to mention, we've been listened to over 5,000 times, which is amazing. Thank you all for listening. Yes, thank um, you. If the first time you've heard us, of course, go back through all the episodes. We're available on Spotify, on uh, Apple Podcast. We're, of course, now on Scotland Rocks Radio every third Tuesday. Um, so check us out there. And uh, we'll be back for the next episode in a few weeks, episode fifty. But for now, thank you for listening. See you all soon. Keep on rocking. Bye. Bye. Those about five weeks to lose you it is a Neely Rogers production.